Okay. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 514. Welcome in. You know, I want to tell you a couple secrets. First of all, last episode, I started the podcast and I said 512 and I was editing it after the fact and I'm like, I already did 512. That's actually 513. So I cut that out. If you're like listening to last episode, you're like, why didn't he say the episode number? That's why. Because I I was in, I like had to cut it out. I was like, wait a minute. I recorded two episodes in a row where I said 512. I got confused somehow. Gosh, what a, what a mess. Um, so 514, welcome in. Uh, no sunglasses today. I'm wearing a sweatshirt. Never done that before. It's, it's, uh, it's Hurley, not a sponsorship. Uh, I mean, obviously why would Hurley sponsor me? But uh, you won't even be able to see the logo for the most part. Move on from that. I probably shouldn't have lifted it up. Anyway, um, you can get in trouble for that, by the way. And I, I don't really care. I don't think they're going to like be mad at me for talking about sports in a totally family-friendly way here. Um, I want. If you hate hearing about the truck, skip ahead like two minutes. Uh, I'm going to go on like a little fun tangent. I think it's fun. I'm dealing with rain for the first time ever today. Uh, it's never rained while I've recorded a podcast before. Either you're not going to be able to hear it in the background, which I think is most likely. It's just going to be background noise you won't even hear. If you do hear it in the background, I think, if anything, it's going to add kind of a cool ambiance and like a fun late night rainy vibe. So I I think it's totally fine. Um, I had to figure out how to set up. My camera's in the front seat of my truck, which means you got to get out of the truck and go all the way around to go set up the camera. I found I figured out a way today to set up the camera without getting out of the truck, which I'm pretty proud of, actually. Like, I, I found, like, a MacGyver way to do it. Pretty cool. Uh, my camera lens has been fogging up a lot today. I, I don't know, man. I'm doing the best I can. I swear to you. Now, what I decided to, I'm like, I was living in Hawaii, in Waikiki. Top of the world. Had a great, great life. And I had this idea. I'm going to live in a pickup truck and drive across the country. And everybody said, that's a terrible idea. Do not do it. I still think it's a great idea, but I, like, people, I, I want to be clear, I chose this. I, I chose to do this, I took this head on, and I've run into problems every step of the way. But I want people to know, I knew it was going to rain at some point. Like, I, I have planned for this. But here was my plan. I was living in Hawaii, hanging out with guys who had sailboats, and they were like, they would, like, sail across the country. They were from Thailand, and we'd hang out at the beach every day, and they're like, yeah, we sailed here from Thailand, blah, 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 blah. And they're like, I'm like, what do you do when there's a storm? They're like, oh, we sail around it. Like when it's raining, we just don't hang out in the rain. We go somewhere else. Like it doesn't rain everywhere in the ocean. And I'm like, ah, when it's raining, I'll drive away. I'll go somewhere where it's not raining. So every decision I made was was based on the premise and the promise the company gave me. Hey, your canopy, if you look behind me, no canopy still, is going to get here July 5th. What's the date? Oh, it's October 21st. July, August, September, all of October, no canopy. Four months late, right? Finally, it rained for the first time here in the Northwest, um, and I can't, I can't drive away. So we're dealing with it. We're doing the best we can. Uh, I swear to you, I'm not an idiot. Like I knew it was gonna rain. I'm not gonna hang out here in December when it's snowing. I'll drive to Arizona or Southern California, somewhere warm and not wet and not cold. Uh, but I can't drive away right now. I'm like stuck here. I'm like. Ah, next Tuesday, supposedly, I'm going to pick it up, and that'll, I'll believe it when I see it, but anyway, uh, welcome into the show. We're going to talk about Tom Brady's divorce today. I'm very, 
excited is the wrong word, but I do think I have insight. Um, if nothing else, it'll be an interesting topic. But let's start with Thursday Night Football. On Thursday Night Football, the Arizona Cardinals beat the New Orleans Saints 42-34. to It was not an amazing game. Arizona had the lead for most of the game. Uh, but this game was definitely better than the last two weeks for sure, whether it be that horrible Colts-Broncos game or that Washington game. Um, I mean, there was actual scoring in this game. Woo! Awesome! Uh, now, the pivotal moment in this game came right before halftime. Andy Dalton threw two, not one, but two pick sixes within the two-minute warning. So, two-minute warning hits, and within that time frame, two minutes, he throws two pick sixes back-to-back. One wasn't his fault. It bounced off of a receiver's hands. Should have been a catch. Popped up in the air, got taken for a pick six. The second one was a bad decision and a bad throw. Uh, In total, Andy Dalton threw three interceptions in the first half. Two pick sixes. The other one was an interception in the end zone on third and goal. Do the math. New Orleans lost by eight points in this football game. Uh, Andy Dalton and his interceptions were at minimum like a 17-point swing, if not a 21-point swing in the direction of Arizona. You know, the interception in the end zone on third and goal at minimum could have been an easy field goal attempt they probably would have made. I'm I'm assuming they're going to make... I assume they would have made three points there. If not, uh, he checks it down in the flat. Maybe Alvin Kamara makes someone miss and runs for a touchdown. Uh, The pick six has handed Arizona two touchdowns, so that's the difference in this game. The, the interceptions by Andy Dalton, one was not his fault, but, you know, other than the three interceptions, Andy Dalton had a pretty good game. He was 30 for 47 passing, 361 yards, four touchdown passes, but those three interceptions, and, and four touchdowns is really nice, but saying that he had a good game other than the three interceptions is kind of like saying, you know, other than the car accident I had driving home, totally safe drive. Like, no, you got to do a car accident. It wasn't a safe drive at all. It's not a good game if you throw three picks. I'm sorry. Um, here's my takeaway from this game. Uh, the Saints need to draft a quarterback. And there's a good collection of players in New Orleans, man. There, there are, There's talent there. And can you imagine if they had Bryce Young at quarterback? Like, since the start of the 2021 season, the Saints have had five different starting quarterbacks. And... I am done waiting for Jameis Winston to show that he's the guy and it's going to work. Jameis has a lot of talent. I think everyone agrees there's a lot of potential there with Jameis Winston. Dude can throw the ball forever. He's got a great arm. But even if Jameis gets healthy and and comes back and plays well for a couple games, I'm not going to trust it. Like, I am at the end of my rope with Jameis Winston waiting for him to figure it out because not only is he known for having a ton of turnovers, he hasn't been healthy. He's been hurt. He's been not available. And when your quarterback, who you're already skeptical of, can't even get on the field, what are we doing here? Like, you're waiting for a guy that may or may not be good to get healthy? Uh, sorry, it's been forever. When is it? When is Jameis Winston going to play football? Okay. And then Andy Dalton is the more limited option at quarterback in New Orleans. But you're like, hey, he's a good backup, which he is. Andy Dalton... No disrespect. He made some good throws, a couple throws on third down to Chris Olave, third and long. That's good. But the edge Andy Dalton is supposed to have, you're supposed to say, well, Andy Dalton not doesn't have a huge arm, can't really run around and make plays, but he's going to limit turnovers and not have a bunch of interceptions and fumbles. Oh, but um, yeah, he threw three interceptions on Thursday night. 
two of them were pick sixes, at least it was a 17-point swing. You handed 17, at least you, you, you missed out on three points minimum. You handed 14 points to the other team. It can't happen. The Saints are two and five, and I think they just need to restart at quarterback. Like, I, if I'm a Saints fan, I'm like, man, I'm just tired of waiting and watching mediocre quarterback play. The Saints aren't horrible at quarterback, right? They've got Taysom Hill, who's can, he's more of a receiver, but he can kind of throw. And you got Jameis, who's maybe good someday, but he's always hurt. And you got Andy Dalton, who's maybe good, but like not really living up to it. It's like, okay, we got to just restart and actually get a great quarterback in here. Um, because there's too much potential on this roster, but a good, with a good offensive line, Alvin Kamara, a good receiving core, a really talented defense, you're wasting a good team with average quarterback play and it's infuriating to watch. And I just, I would hate for the saints to miss a window to be a really good playoff team because they're just waiting and waiting, hoping Jameis Winston can figure it out. Um, for Arizona, this was a really good win. The Cardinals are now three and four um, and they have an extended week coming up to prepare for their next game. So they got a lot of time now. Arizona does to prepare for a big game on the road against a solid team at Minnesota. That's a big game for them. Uh, if they can get back to 4-4 four and four or 500, beat what right now is a 5-1 and one Minnesota team, we'll see after this weekend, uh, it's a big deal. So, uh, you know, the big story in this game was the return of the number one receiver in Arizona, DeAndre Hopkins. He had 10 catches for 103 yards, no touchdowns, but it's clear that Arizona plans to run their offense through DeAndre Hopkins. He was targeted 14 times. The rest of the team combined for 15 targets. So they are just feeding DeAndre Hopkins the rock. And DeAndre Hopkins caught exactly half of uh, Kyler Murray's completions. He had 20 completed passes. 10 of them were completed to DeAndre Hopkins. That's awesome. I wasn't sure if DeAndre Hopkins might come back and have kind of a slow start. But uh, no, clearly not. He, he's ready to go. And he had a really nice back shoulder fade for a big completion down the right sideline in the third quarter. The dude is a stud, so DeAndre Hopkins is back. Uh, they won. They're third and four. They're in striking distance of going, getting back to 500. Uh, Kyler played a pretty clean game, actually. Kyler Murray had zero turnovers. I want to give a shout-out to Eno Benjamin, Arizona's running back. He had 12 carries for 92 yards and a touchdown. He also was the second... Uh, you know, he caught the second most passes to DeAndre Hopkins. He had four pass, uh, passes caught. I look at Arizona right now, three and four, three wins, four losses. It's a decent spot. You know, most NFL teams right now are right around 500, three and three, you know, two and whatever, three. You know, it's, it's everyone's kind of right in the same spot. And so I think you're totally fine if you're Arizona. You're three and four. It's not great. You'd rather be four and three or you know, five and two, but you're okay. And the year can definitely be salvaged by Arizona, but you had to win this game and you did. It's a huge one because the difference between three and four and two and five are very, very different. And right now being a game away from 500, it's a big deal and a great thing, a great thing, a great thing. <laughs> I can't even talk. It's a great thing for the Arizona Cardinals. So feel good about them. And, uh, I, you know, I, I've been really talking a lot about should Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach, be fired in Arizona? And I've said probably, right? But uh, I've said we'll see if DeAndre Hopkins can save you know the season and make things better. Right now, they're actually in a good spot where they might be able to save their season, and we'll just we'll wait and see. Um, by like week eleven or twelve, we'll know a lot more about Arizona and where they are. But I think they have to make a playoff push this year. If they don't make the playoffs this year, 
that's really, really disappointing for the Arizona Cardinals. By the way, I said, we'll see what happens after Minnesota. I, I, I kind of faltered during that segment. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah, because Minnesota has a bye week this week. So Minnesota's 5-1. and one. Uh, Their next game is at home against Arizona next weekend. And that's a big game. I mean, to have Minnesota's coming off a bye week to prepare for this game. Arizona's got a long week to prepare as well. I'm, I'm really excited. I think that's one of the best games next weekend, actually, is Arizona on the road at Minnesota. Let's move on. Um, we just had a fairly interesting trade in the NFL. Carolina traded running back Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. Here is what San Fran gave up to get McCaffrey. In this trade, Carolina got a second, third, and fourth-round pick for the 2023 NFL Draft. That's this next NFL Draft. They also got a 2024 fifth-round pick. That's a lot to give up for Christian McCaffrey, a guy who's battled injuries a lot. This says to me that the 49ers must have really, really wanted him. It actually comes across even a little bit desperate, but the rumor is that either the 49ers or the Rams were going to get him. Now, we are still a ways away kind of from the NFL trade deadline. That's not until November 1st. It's October 21st today, Friday. Um, And I think they just were like, we're going to offer whatever we can, not only to make sure we are the ones that get McCaffrey, but also to make sure that our division rival, the Rams, are not the team that gets Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Something that I, I guess, forgot. I don't know. I was, I was unaware. Like Christian McCaffrey's been around the NFL for what feels like 10 years. That's not actually true. He was drafted in 2017. Christian McCaffrey is only 26 years old and he's newly 26. Like he turned 26 uh, in June, which is crazy. Like, (laughs) you know, he's got a lot of years ahead of him. You would think now he's been hurt a lot though. Um, In the last two years, Christian McCaffrey has missed 23 games. He's only been available for 10 games in two years. He was available for three games in 2020 In the last year, in 2021, it was only seven games. That's not good. Christian McCaffrey has not played a full season of football since 2019. However, I'm still very, very excited because the 49ers offense now has Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk all being, um, you know, moved around like chess pieces by Kyle Shanahan, who I think is a really smart offensive coach in the NFL. Uh, McCaffrey is really talented. He's not only a really good runner of the football, he can also catch a lot of passes. I would actually say that there's a lot of parallels between what Debo Samuel does really well and what Christian McCaffrey does well. Now imagine them on the same team. What do you do? Like, What's going to happen? I can't wait for the day. You have Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance at quarterback for the 49ers, and you have Debo Samuel on one side and Christian McCaffrey on the other. That's going to happen at some point, and that's an insane thought. And you can move McCaffrey to receiver. You can move Debo Samuel at receiver. I think you're going to see guys in the 49ers offense just move all over the field. No one's going to really be a receiver. No one's really going to be a running back. You have athletes everywhere. And it's going to be, I think, a lot of fun to watch. I just want to see the creativity from Kyle Shanahan come out and say, like, what kind of ways can you use McCaffrey not only to test defense, but also to extend his career? I think the more you can get McCaffrey in space at receiver maybe or on the perimeter rather than just running him up the middle between the tackles, the fewer hits you can get McCaffrey taking and the more open space you can get him in, the less injuries is going to accrue and the longer his career is going to get extended. So I'm really curious how Kyle Shanahan is going to use him. Um, Now, I mean, that being said, I don't know that he was very careful with 
Trey Lance, his quarterback. Like, Trey Lance, he appeared to not care about his career being extended and just put him in harm's way repeatedly. So maybe that's not a thought at all for Kyle Shanahan, but from an offensive perspective and from play designing, I I just can't wait to see, like, how he's going to use him. I, I know they gave up a lot to get him. They probably gave up too much, to be honest, to get Christian McCaffrey. I don't really care, though. I, I don't have a stake in it. I'm not a 49er fan. I'm not really a Panthers fan. I just kind of... I like chaos, and I like interesting, and I think Christian McCaffrey maybe went to the team he's most interesting on. I would have liked to see him in Miami, maybe, or L.A. would have been interesting, but I I think Kyle Shanahan, if there's anyone that can figure out how to get the most out of Christian McCaffrey, that man is Kyle Shanahan, and I just can't wait to see what's going to happen because it's like a science experiment. In what ways are he gonna cha- is he gonna challenge defenses with Shanahan designing plays? And I just I, I can't even fathom how fun it's gonna be to watch that. All right, um, I want you to know a little bit of perspective from me uh, before we get into this topic. This is one I've I've thought about this a lot, and I haven't talked about it yet, but I, I've been kind of stewing on it and thinking about it. And I want you to know that I was once. I've never been married. Uh, I was almost married once. I lived in Hawaii. I was engaged. Um, and so I, I, I have that perspective, I guess, which informs a little bit of... I shouldn't even say very much more. Um, I want to talk about Tom Brady. Tom Brady is going through a divorce. And I don't know that we're ever going to get a lot of details about Tom Brady's divorce. Who knows what kind of skeletons are in their closet, but the a lot of it's going to be private and behind closed doors, and, and as it should be. But I've seen a lot of headlines, good for Giselle, or she should leave him, and kind of the only thing we really know about this divorce is that, and what appears like the number one problem from the outside looking in is that Tom Brady wants to play football, and Giselle Bundchen, his wife, wants him to retire and be a family man. And that's a, that's a big divide. It feels like the kind of thing that you can't solve. Uh, now, here's my speculation. What everything I'm about to say, it's it's speculation. It's an educated guess. Um, I'm sure that the whole divorce is much more messy than just he wants to play, she doesn't. I'm sure there's more going on. But let's pretend for a second that that's all that really is going on, is that he wants to play football and she doesn't. That's a massive problem if that's true, because it seems like they should get divorced. It seems like uh, it's not amicable. You guys got to walk away. It's really, really hard to imagine anyone telling, of all people, Tom Brady not to play football. Like, that. that's crazy to me. I'm trying to think of an, another parallel. It's like saying, hey, LeBron, you can't play basketball anymore. Or, hey, Lewis Hamilton, you're the best you know, you're a dominant Formula One driver. You've won six, seven world titles. You can't drive at a car anymore. Like, what? Dude, that's what he's best at in the world. He might be the best ever to do it. And you're going to tell him to stop? That's kind of weird. And, uh, you know, the dude is going to have a whole life after football, for sure. But I understand Tom Brady wanting to play as long as possible. There's a ticking clock. Like, you're not, once you stop and walk away, it's over. You can't go back. And I understand Giselle's perspective. She doesn't want to wait around for a guy to choose to spend time with her maybe someday. Like, she's a supermodel. uh, She's wealthy. 
and she wants to enjoy her life. And I, I totally understand that. I get it. It just seems like Tom Brady and Giselle are a bad fit together. They want different things and that's okay, but that's when you walk away. I love making content. I love making videos and it's my favorite thing ever. I, I'm never going to stop. No matter what happens with viewership or this, I, I'm always going to make videos about stuff. I just, I like doing it. It's really fun. It's more than a job for me. It's like my passion and my hobby and my favorite thing in the world. So I can't see myself ever stopping. And if I was in a relationship with someone telling me not to do the thing that I love the most and the thing that I've put a lot of time into getting better at and figuring out, I would call it off and walk away. It's really painful to be in a relationship where your partner wants you to be something else, something other than what you are. And Giselle wants a guy who is around and is not busy working. And I totally get that. I understand wanting your partner with you. You want to go on vacations. You want to kind of retire and enjoy your money. I get it. But Tom Brady wants to play football. At least that's what it appears to be. And that's his passion. That's the thing that Tom Brady is the best at in the world and maybe the best at ever. But like, not only is it his, the thing that he probably feels like he's best at. That's one thing. It's also... I don't know that there's been another person who's been more dominant at playing quarterback than Tom Brady. Like, universally, he's incredible at it. It's hard to imagine telling him not to do it anymore. And when you have people, how do I, close to you, um, who want you to change what you're doing and are opposing you and getting in your way, it's easy to feel like you have enemies everywhere because the person that's supposed to be your closest ally isn't anymore and they become an obstacle for you and that makes your life incredibly difficult i would imagine there's just all this turmoil going on for tom brady like you want to work at your craft but you feel guilty doing it because you're supposed to be with your family and your wife wants you to do something else it just becomes this huge rift and there's this massive problem where you're like i i don't feel like i'm supported by the person who's supposed to be the number one support for me and again if Tom Brady closes the door and walks away from football, you're not coming back. Like once you're done, you're done for him at his age. And, you know, I think of a great analogy here. And what I mean when I say a great analogy, this is something that it's not the same and it's intentionally not the same. I've never played a Fallout game. There's Fallout 3, Fallout New Vegas, Fallout 4. These are like massive video games that take like 100 hours to play. And I tell myself I own them. I'm like... PlayStation 3, Xbox, PC, like I own them in all these different places and I've never played a single minute of any of them. And I tell myself, hey, someday you're going to take like a two-week vacation and go stay somewhere in a barn or something and and play Fallout. Like, because that's something I look forward to doing someday. But there's no hurry. Like, I can do it in 10 years from now. It's not going to, there's no ticking time clock there. I can do it at some point, I'll get to it and I can enjoy that moment. Football isn't like that. There's a ticking clock. The, the, you have to do it now or you'll never get to do it again because your body will fall apart. He's getting older. Tom Brady can't play football forever. But I would imagine Giselle feels a similar ticking clock where she's like, I'm not going to be young forever. You know, I, I want to enjoy my life now. I'm, I'm not waiting for this guy to decide to be done with football and hang out with me. And it just seems like going their separate ways is the right thing to do. I you know, I, it's a sports show. This is not really a sports topic. It's about an athlete. But I would imagine uh, that 
actually, I would tell you, imagine this. Imagine Tom Brady unencumbered, where suddenly he can play as long as he wants to, and there's no guilt, there's no pressure from people around him to walk away, there's no one telling him to quit. Imagine your wife hanging around all the time, disapproving of you doing what you love to do. Sounds like a miserable experience. I I would not want that. I would walk away from that. And I think now Tom Brady, if he does get divorced and can play as long as he wants, he might play for like another five years, which is a crazy thought, but it it felt impossible like a couple years ago. Now the thought of Tom Brady, especially divorced, playing for like another five years, feels totally possible. And I would imagine more speculation. Again, this is all speculation, but you know, I would imagine... Tom Brady's the kind of guy that when he goes through something tough, he leans into his work and he just dives in and and he's probably, I mean, he is, he's kind of a workaholic. And when you're obsessed with something and you're going through heartache and pain, you just lean deeper in and you work a little harder and a little more. And I think this might lead to even better quarterback play from Tom Brady, which is a weird thing to say, but I just keep your eye on this, man. It's really, really fascinating to me. And I, I just think that if, if the true root of their divorce and the problem is, hey, Tom Brady wants to play football and his wife doesn't want him to, that's that's a huge problem. Like you, It's just the right thing to get divorced. And I don't think either one is right or wrong. I would say it's just it's a situation where it can't be solved and you got to go your separate ways and that's okay because life is short. I learned six years ago and my little brother died. Hey, you only got so much time on planet Earth. You got to do the very best you can with what you have. And um, you, you don't want to waste it with someone who doesn't want the same things as you and someone who doesn't allow you to do what you want to do. Giselle and Brady appear, speculation, but they appear to want to do different things. Giselle wants to go relax on the beach and have her husband with her on vacations. Tom Brady's like, I got a job to do, man. I got to play football as long as I possibly can. You're an obstacle to that. And I just think it's right for them to get divorced. I, I we, if, if all of that's true... It's best for them to walk away and go their separate ways. So not really a sports topic, but I think an interesting one and one that we can all learn from. And it's sports adjacent. So we talk about it because that's I I love relationships, man. I love talking about that stuff. And uh, I thought it fit in really well here on the show. All right. I got a I got two fun topic. Fun. I don't know how to I don't even know what to call these. Like they're topics, but they're really short. Number one is this. I, I will never interview Adam Schefter. Probably like, like maybe if there's like some, I think it's very possible that like, as I start a road trip and go around the country, people go like, dude, there's this guy who talks about sports in his truck and he goes to games and he's just kind of around. Like I can see that blowing up, but I could also see myself being just a small creator for the rest of my life who like barely gets by and always make enough to survive. But I may be never very big and that's okay too. Like, I, I don't really know what the trajectory of strong opinion sports is. I don't know if I'm going to be small forever. I don't know if I'm going to just barely getting by or massive. If I get massive, maybe I'll interview Adam Schefter, but it's very possible. I never will. But I'd I'd love to know. And if I ever could talk to Adam Schefter, one of the questions I would ask him is how many people are behind the scenes helping him with his Instagram? Because I, I can't imagine, I cannot fathom that the only person participating in Adam Schefter's Instagram is just him. Remember, he's this legendary sports reporter. He breaks news all the time. 
He's also just like a good source. If you want to see what's going on, he, he reposts a lot of news that other people post as well, but he always puts it out there and he's like a good, he's like a news feed basically on Instagram. And he might be the person who hits publish, like he hits post on Instagram. But I think people don't realize someone has to make him graphics and someone has to do uniform swaps. Like he'll, when people get traded, he'll be like, here's blank in a new uniform. Like that's not a picture. That's someone edited a photo for Adam Schefter. So at minimum, he's got like one designer, maybe more. It's just kind of a weird thought. I thought about Adam Schefter. Like, I don't think people realize how much help a big media personality normally has behind the scenes. Like all these people you see posting everywhere, everybody, everybody like in LA, the, all the guys on Fox sports, they all have someone running their social media for them. And I wonder how big the team is for Adam Schefter. Like, you know, and, and how do they get paid? Is that, does ESPN pay them? Does he cut them a check? Is it like, are they like, is it contract work? Like, I would love to know the behind the scenes on, on like the business side of how Adam Schefter runs his Instagram because um, he clearly, it feels like a bit way bigger operation than just one man hitting posts. And I, I'd love to know more about that. Okay. Uh, I, I, man, there's one other thing. I, did I walk? Did I, I, maybe I moved my notes. Oh, here it is. Um, so, <laughs> I, uh, let me, let me adjust some stuff. I gotta like move my notes around. I saw a, how do I, how do you put this? I saw Marshawn Lynch on the Richard Sherman podcast talking about Russell Wilson, his former, remember they were teammates in uh, Seattle. They won a Super Bowl together. Marshawn Lynch said that, you know, it's hard to reach Russ. You can't call him directly. You got to go through his management. That's insane. If Russell Wilson, the Denver Broncos quarterback, truly is not giving like his teammates his phone number directly to his his phone and they got to call like a manager to talk to him, that's crazy. And, and is that is that true? Like if that's true, that's insane because and really someone in the Denver media needs to ask Russ, "Hey, can like Cortland Sutton just call your phone or does he have to go through your agent to talk to you?" Because you cannot be that disconnected from your team. And I don't know if, maybe the question's already been asked, but someone better ask that of Russell Wilson because I get it. Like your wife is a singer, pop star. I would imagine you need security and stuff. But, you know, dangerous, dangerous, danger Russ, but Russ goes by on social media. It's dangerous to be disconnected and unrelatable to your teammates. And... Gosh, I saw this video on TikTok. I, I, I'm not, I, I try to avoid TikTok, but you just can't. All my friends send me TikToks constantly. One I saw the other day was this guy, very deadpan, going like, you know, it's week six of trying to figure out whether Russ is going to throw more touchdowns and he has bathrooms in his house. And he's like, to date, Russ has five touchdown passes. And, and the most underrated line in this TikTok is the guy goes, <laughs> He goes, and bathrooms has remained steady at 12, as if the amount of bathrooms is ever going to change. But there's like a guy who every week posts, <laughs> does how many touchdowns does Russell Wilson have compared to the number of bathrooms in his house? And it's batch, and I, I love it, and it's insane, and it's uh, hilarious. I, I got to, dang it, I got to bleep out. Give me one second. I got to like cut so I can remember where to bleep that out. I, I said bat crap. Um, but this guy, go find the TikTok if you want. Russ versus bathrooms or something. You'll find it. It's this guy, like this deadpan delivery. And maybe he's a Broncos fan and he's dead inside. I don't know, but it's hilarious. Anyway, I know for a fact, 
100% verifiable that Tom Brady's teammates can call him directly when they need to reach him. And Russ, like the dude, you got to at least have a work phone where you just give that number to your teammates so they can call you. Like you, you cannot be so disconnected and aloof that your teammates can't call you. Like what? And it's not like Marshawn Lynch is not just, it's not just any teammate. Marshawn Lynch is like one of the best teammates you ever had in your entire career. You keep in touch with those kind of guys. I do even from my football days. And I, I played at high school and a little bit of college. And I still like the guys that were like the best on my team that I'm really close with. I just, I'm still in touch with them. And so I think it's a serious issue as a leader to not be be available to the people on your team. And Russell Wilson, the, the words that come to mind right now are awful. He comes across as aloof, disconnected, inauthentic. It's no wonder Russell Wilson was not liked in Seattle. You hear his former teammates talk about him. It's not good. And the videos of him you see everywhere, like, are very cringy. He never, ever says anything but exactly very calculated special things. And you never, ever see a bad side of Russ. But that feels fake. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. You're not always the fake positive guy. And I, I wonder if at some point he's going to snap. Because I, I want to see that. Not because I want to see Russ have a bad moment that he snaps. But, like, is he even human it's it's weird you're like russ like you dude come on you at some point you got to be authentic and he just come he screams inauthenticity constantly and i just i don't know man i i really wonder like is there going to be a moment where he yells at his teammates or something like i just I, i've been waiting and waiting for this no, that's not right i haven't been waiting and waiting for that day but i just have been wondering like when are we going to see the real Russell Wilson. And I'm sorry, but you're not this like, he reminds me sometimes of like a, a dog with his tail tucked between his legs. Like just totally like, is there any fight in Russell Wilson? Like you see Tom Brady, that's, you know, he has some bad moments, like breaking the iPad and stuff. Like these aren't great, but it's passion and it's emotion. And I, is there a passion in Russell Wilson or is he always just kind of like a dead fish? that's just like, Ooh, like, he looks like a guy that needs more sleep. I don't know, man. It's very bizarre, this whole scenario right now with Russell Wilson. Anyway, let's talk about college football. It's a big weekend this weekend in college football. It's college football week eight. There are six games on my radar. Five are going to be good. One is it's an honorable mention. And then we'll see. Like part of the joy every week of college football is to see what games come out of nowhere and are surprising. But here are the five games I'm really interested in. Number one is this. It's number 14-ranked Syracuse on the road at number 5-ranked Clemson. Both teams are undefeated. I would imagine that Clemson is going to beat Syracuse. But I'm curious, can Syracuse challenge Clemson at all? I don't know that they can, but uh, we'll find out. The next game that I'm really excited for is number 9 UCLA at number 10 Oregon. Oregon is a one-loss team. Their only loss is to the number one team in the nation, Georgia. UCLA is the last undefeated program in the Pac-12. UCLA's coach is Chip Kelly, who is going back to Eugene, Oregon, where it all began during his coaching career. Oregon, they're 5-1. and one. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. The quarterbacks are fun. Bo Nix, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. It's going to be a fun game, a great atmosphere, and if you're looking for a, a fun, exciting game to watch, I think a lot of offense this weekend, 
you should watch UCLA at Oregon. Next is number 20 ranked. Um, nah, actually, no, let's not do that. Let's, let's go to Ole Miss first. Number, how about 7-0 uh, Ole Miss at LSU? Ole Miss is undefeated. Uh, they're the number seven team in the country. It's a big game at LSU. LSU's 5-2. Ole Miss right now, Lane Kiffin, they got a fun quarterback, Jackson Dart, who I like. Um, I, you know, the next couple of games are very, very interesting for Ole Miss because they play at LSU, then at Texas A&M, then they play Alabama. And you can't get caught looking ahead to Alabama because currently Mississippi is the leader in the SEC West. You can't afford to slip up. And I just think that this game is a big one because it's uh, two fun quarterbacks, Jackson Dart for Ole Miss, uh, Jaden Daniels for LSU who can run around and make all kinds of plays. And I just I have high hopes for this game. Ole Miss at LSU, 7-0 against 5-2. It's an SEC West battle. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Now let's talk about number 20, Texas at number 11, Oklahoma State. Guys, I, I've talked about this before. I just love, love, love Big 12 football. It's fun. It's high scoring. It's exciting. Um, Texas quarterback Quinn Ewers is... One of my favorite quarterbacks to watch in all of college football. It's like Bryce Young. And, and frankly, Quinn Ewers is my number two. Like, I just love this guy. And this game is going to be exciting. 5-2 and two Texas against 5-1 and one Oklahoma State. I can't even talk Oklahoma State. 5-1 uh, and one against 5-2. and two. I, I wish Oklahoma State was 6-0 uh, for this game to see if Texas could be the spoiler. But either way, it's going to be fun and exciting. And a great Big 12 matchup. Here's another one. It's number 17, K-State. At number eight, TCU. TCU is the Big 12's last hope. They are the last undefeated team in college football uh, in the Big 12. And K-State's got a fun, you know, quarterback. Adrian Martinez, transfer out of Nebraska. They're five and one. They're no slouch. It's a really big game here, and it's going to be very fun. The question is, can TCU stay undefeated? They're hosting K-State, who's no slouch. They can play, and uh, keep your eye on that game. Now, here is my honorable mention. It's number 24, Mississippi State, at number 6, Alabama. Alabama is coming off of a bad loss where they had 17 penalties, the most ever under Nick Saban. I cannot imagine Alabama losing this game at home against Mississippi State, a Mike Leach coach team, especially given the context that they— they just, they're coming off a loss uh, against Tennessee where they had one of the worst performances in Nick Saban history. Like, not like offensively, but just penalties and penalties and a lack of discipline. So, no disrespect to Mississippi State. They are 5-2. and two. They're the number 24 team in the country. But Alabama, I think, has something to prove here. And this game has potential to be interesting. It's two top 25 teams. It's an SEC matchup. But, um... I would be pretty shocked here if Alabama didn't win by like 20 points because I think they're just going to come out and punch someone in the mouth and come out with a vengeance and angry. And, you know, Nick Saban isn't happy that he lost to Tennessee. But I do think that, you know, there there is some bit of Nick Saban that when his team slips up, like he knows they're the favorite almost every year all the time. They have all these top 10 recruits and they're all this massive – uh, you know, five-star recruits everywhere and all this NIL money and stuff. When a Nick Saban team gets caught slipping a little bit, he likes it. It humbles them and it allows him as a coach to say, guys, 
we got to keep working. We can't let our foot off the gas. And that loss can be used as a wake-up call. So I think Alabama is going to use that loss to Tennessee last week as a wake-up call and come out and absolutely annihilate a Mike Leach-coached Mississippi State team. All right. Um, let's move on to the NFL. We have reached NFL Week 7. It's going to be an interesting week of football. Maybe, maybe. Out of interesting is the right word here. This is going to be a week that I think it's very possible we, frankly, forget about by the end of the year. I think we'll look back and go like, oh, yeah, because there's no big matchup this week. There's no, you know, uh, Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen level matchup this week. But there are some really good storylines. For example, you've got the Giants who are 5-1. They play at Jacksonville. The Giants have won three straight. Can they keep it going is the question. And on the other side, you got the Jaguars, who started 2-1, and one, but they've lost three games in a row. And the question is, can they get back on track? And so uh, that game's interesting. The Jets at Denver is very fascinating because the Jets probably should be the favorite, actually. Um, their quarterback, Zach Wilson, is 3-0 and since coming back from an injury. They're coming off of this great win the Jets are over Green Bay on the road at Green Bay, where they shut down Aaron Rodgers and the Packers' offense. And if they can do that to Aaron Rodgers, can you imagine what they can do uh, and how many problems they can cause for a struggling Denver offense with Russell Wilson? So Jets at Denver, interesting game to keep your eye on. The Raiders are 1-4. The Raiders have lost every game they've lost by one score or less. It's been, like, insanely close. The margins are razor thin. The Raiders at 1-4 host Houston this week, who is a one-win football team. And it's a must-win game for the Raiders because, like, they've had a shockingly decent season. To, for how, like, compare the start for the Raiders to the Chargers. Like, the outcomes are razor thin, and the Chargers have come out on top. They're four and two. The Raiders have been on the wrong side of razor thin margins. They're one and four. But if the Raiders can win, they have a chance to keep their season alive because they're playing some decent football. But if you lose this game at home against Texas, uh, against the Houston Texans, excuse me, um, you can't recover. You cannot recover from two and five if you're the Raiders. And so it's a must-win game for Vegas this coming weekend. Um, hmm, my light's flickering. Give me one sec. All right, uh, Lions at Cowboys should be really interesting. The Lions are one and four. They are coming off of a bye week. And Detroit, man, they need a win here. They're one and four. They've had a lot of time to prepare for this game. Now, Dallas, their starting quarterback, Dak Prescott, this will be his first game coming back from an injury. And for Dak, I can't imagine a better team to have your first game back against than the Detroit Lions because the Lions' defense cannot stop anybody. They've allowed the most points in the NFL. They've allowed the most yards per game. Uh, it's a double-edged sword, though, because can you imagine if Dallas lost this game? You know, they went 4-1 and with a backup quarterback, Cooper Rush, and then in Dak's first game back, if they lose to the Detroit Lions, a terrible, terrible defense. And by the way, the Cowboys have a really good defense themselves. That'd be a nightmare. Like you cannot, if you're Dallas, you have to win this game and you cannot afford to lose given the circumstance and what's gone down. So um, I'm curious how things will play out. I think Dallas wins this game. But let's be clear, if Dallas does lose this game, that's almost, I would almost say wildly inappropriate. Like, you cannot lose this game, given the context of what's going on. So keep your eye on this one. Feels like a bit of a trap, actually, for Dallas. 
Sunday night is a massive game. It's Pittsburgh at Miami. Miami's former head coach, Brian Flores, is going to be on the sidelines for Pittsburgh coaching. Brian Flores is suing the Miami Dolphins for discrimination. There's a storyline there. Uh, Plus, it's an interesting quarterback matchup because both quarterbacks are coming back from concussion protocol. Kenny Pickett, the Steelers' rookie quarterback, is fun to watch, but he's still growing and learning and every game just trying to get a little bit better. On the other side, Miami, their quarterback, Tua, is in year three. And the pressure is on for Tua to play well. And there's even rumors that Tua and Brian Flores didn't have the best relationship. So it would be kind of a cool moment if Tua had a great, really good game against a Brian Flores-coached defense. Um, and there's a lot of pressure here for Tua to play well. Miami started 3-0. and They're 3-3 and uh, and have not won since Tua got hurt. So, I don't know. I think another storyline here is that it's kind of a tough game for the broadcasters because there's a lot of uncomfortable subjects. You've got concussions and lawsuits and Miami's owner is back from a suspension. I think even the the game is exciting already, but then on top of that, you've got this layer of, like, how do the broadcasters kind of tiptoe around these topics? Like, if you're looking for another alternate storyline to watch, it's just interesting enough to see, like, how all this stuff is going to get handled by... Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. So uh, Sunday Night Football, it's going to be really fun. Pittsburgh at Miami. Monday Night Football is a really big game. It's the Bears at the Patriots. Chicago's got a really good defense, I think, in my personal opinion. Uh, But they've got a struggling young quarterback, Justin Fields, who is so talented, man. He can run like a running back. He's got a good arm, but... He's growing and learning, and I think you see him miss throws sometimes because he's thinking. Like he, the physical uh, upside of his arm is, is not showing because he's thinking so much and not just reacting and you know playing the way he physically can. Now the Patriots have a quarterback controversy here. The Patriots, their day one starter has thrown two touchdowns and five interceptions so far this year. He's been out with a high ankle sprain. While Mac Jones has been out and injured. Uh, rookie quarterback Bailey Zappi has gone 2-0 and as a starting quarterback and looked pretty good, actually. So I'm not sure who the Patriots quarterback is going to be this weekend. I hope it's going to be Bailey Zappi, to be totally honest, because I want to see Bailey Zappi against what I think is a pretty solid Bears defense because it'd be a really good test to see how good Bailey Zappi actually is. So Bears at Patriots, Monday Night Football, it's a lot of fun. I just want to see, like, what does Bailey Zappi do if he plays? And if Mac Jones plays and plays bad, mm, that's a, another concern. It's a part of why, like, I think you actually have to, you know, allow Bailey Zappi to play through whatever's going on. Because the minute Bailey Zappi plays bad, you can go back to Mac Jones. But if you put Mac Jones back in and then he plays bad, oh, you lost the fan base. You lost a locker room. Like, that's it's a delicate situation you kind of have to tread carefully with. Okay, this week during NFL Week 7, four teams have a bye week. The Bills, the Rams, the Vikings, and Philly all have the week off and are not playing. And, uh, you know, those are the teams that have a bye week. Here's why Green Bay at Washington is interesting. Green Bay is 3-3, playing a backup quarterback, Taylor Henneke, and they need to win this game. Green Bay is on track for the worst record they've ever had with Matt LaFleur as their head coach. Um, You know, they've they've gone 13-3, 13 and 3, and then 13 and 4 in the three years. Matt LaFleur has been their head coach in Green Bay. In the regular season, they've never lost more than four games. This next weekend, after this game, they play at Buffalo, which is a really tough game. 
against a good team, a high-powered offense, and the Packers' offense has been struggling. So, man, the Packers got to win this game at 3-3. Three and three. They got to beat Washington. The big issue for the Packers this year has been their lack of a receiving weapon on offense. Now, I'm also really, really curious to see how Washington quarterback Taylor Henneke plays because there is a small chance, not very big, but a small chance that Taylor Henneke could actually be an upgrade over Washington quarterback Carson Wentz. Okay, uh, Colts at Tennessee. Indy is at risk of getting swept by Tennessee for the second year in a row. Indy is 3-2-1. and one. The Titans are 3-2 and two coming off of their bye week, meaning that Tennessee has had a lot of time to prepare for this game. Matt Ryan last week had an awesome game-winning touchdown drive. Um, you know, so the Colts are in a decent spot, actually three, two, and one. Their season is not over. There's a lot of teams that are right around 500. So three, two, and one, you're you're in totally good shape if you're the Colts, actually. But Tennessee has won three in a row. They have had extra time to prepare for this game, and one of those games they won earlier was a Week Four win over Indianapolis. So it should be a tense, good game. I'm expecting a lot. Um, an indie man. I, if I'm the Colts, I, I'm doing everything I can to avoid getting swept by Tennessee for the second year in a row. Tampa at Carolina. Dude, Tampa has to win this game. Carolina is 1-5. They fired their coach. They're starting a third-string quarterback, P.J. Walker, in this game. For Tampa, this should be an easy win. Uh, but still, you got to follow through. So we'll see what happens with Tampa at Carolina. The Chargers against Seattle. The game is in L.A. L.A.'s had a roller coaster of a year so far. A ton of injuries, a bunch of tough games, a lot of like games they've barely won. But still, L.A. finds themselves at 4-2, and two, which is really, really good if you're a Charger fan. And a win here would make them 5-2 and two going into their bye week. And the bye week gives you an opportunity to get healthy. So uh, L.A., they want to win this game. Seattle's not an easy win, though. Seattle, they compete. Uh, two of their three losses are by one score. Seattle's got a ton of young talent. Uh, Geno Smith, their quarterback, does not turn the ball over really ever. It's it's going to be a tough one if LA's going to win this game, uh, but it does feel like a game that gives LA a huge opportunity to, if they win, they're in a great spot at 5-2 and two going into their bye week. Falcons at Cincinnati. Yo, Marcus Mariota last week, uh, had one incomplete pass in a win over the 49ers. Like, the dude can play. Both teams are 3-3 three and three here. I'm not that interested in this game, but it does feel like either team could win. And that's that's what I love, man. This I might watch this game simply for that, because I, I love in sports when there is no obvious winner, and I, I don't know who's going to win. I, I, I hate when you watch Alabama against some cupcake, and you're like, well... Alabama's going to win. I love in sports when there's no favorite. Like some games, the 49ers at Kansas City is a great example. I think Kansas City is probably going to win that game. I'm not as interested. The draw here is that Bengals and Falcons, I just don't know who's going to win. Now let's talk about that game. 49ers at Kansas City. Christian McCaffrey just got traded there to the 49ers. I don't expect he's going to play. Uh, he's got to learn the offense. There's a possibility they could have a play or two with him, like a, a specific package or specific role for Christian McCaffrey, but I don't expect very much from him this week. I do expect Kansas City to win this game. And, you know, the 49ers are a wild card. Jimmy Garoppolo is a roller coaster of emotion. Some weeks are great, some weeks are bad. You never really know what to expect from the 49ers. 
Um, but Kansas City is better and should win this game. The last game we haven't talked about yet is Cleveland at Baltimore. Cleveland is 2-4. and four. They are trying to keep their season alive until quarterback Deshaun Watson gets back from a suspension. So Cleveland, they're just trying to keep the raft afloat where the Ravens, what's exciting here is that Baltimore just added a receiver, Deshaun, Deshaun Jackson, this week. He's 36 years old, but the dude can run, man. Like, he just can run deep. He's got a lot of speed. And I can't wait to see it because I think he's going to stretch the field and run verticals, like, all day long. And, like, I know he's new to their offense, but it's not complicated what they're going to ask him to do. They're in the huddle, and Lamar's like, yeah, Deshaun, run straight. (laughs) And it's going to open up stuff for Devin DuVernay and Rashad Bateman. And so, you know, also an interesting storyline is the Ravens are 3-3 and right now. Tied with Cincinnati. Cincinnati's 0-2 in the division. Uh, the Ravens are 1-0. So the Ravens have a better record in division. So even though they're both 3-3, three and three, the Ravens are in the lead right now in the AFC North. Winning here would be another in-division win, which would solidify Baltimore even further in first place in the AFC North. So I don't know. I look around the NFL. It's a fun weekend. It's not a like a spicy, intense weekend with great matchups everywhere. But there are really good storylines. I think of the Giants. I think of the Jets. I think of uh, Sunday night football. It's really interesting between Pittsburgh at Miami. Who's going to play quarterback for the Patriots? Uh, can Baltimore stay at first in the AFC North? Like, there are good storylines across the NFL. I think that a couple games that come to mind, I think Falcons and uh, Cincinnati is a oddly interesting game because I just don't know who's going to win. And that Chargers-LA game. L.A. wants to, so that Chargers-Seattle game, Chargers-L.A. is the same team. Um, <laughs> like, Seattle's not a pushover, man. I, I really, they've gained a lot of my respect this season. And um, I, I think people are expecting, if you're a Chargers fan, you're like, yeah, we're 4-2, and two. we'll beat Seattle, be 5-2 and two going into the bye week. That's not guaranteed, man. Seattle can beat you. And uh, I don't know, a lot of fun to be had if you're a football fan this weekend. All right, before we get into Patreon questions, I want to let you know, my camera died again this week. I don't know what's happening. I don't know how much I missed. I think I I think I, I re-recorded part of something, so there shouldn't be any overlap. But if my camera, like, cuts out in the... If my camera did cut out earlier and you just see on screen, like, the logos of football teams, that's why. Because I, I don't know what's going on. My, my just, I just... I can't tell you what's happening. I don't know why this is a recurring problem, but um, when it rains... Literally, as it's raining outside, it pours, and I've just had problem after problem, and I'm ah, I'm doing the best I can, man. I really am. Um, so now it's time to read questions from the audience. This is my favorite part of the show. I get to interact with you guys. If you want to submit questions to the podcast, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler, patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. Uh, it's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to. Please do. It literally does help pay my rent. I still don't have rent. I have a truck payment, um, and it matters a great deal. So um, it's my most stable income. Please, please support on Patreon. It's a huge deal. Uh, But what am I – I feel bad. I I do another podcast, Zach Schoenler, talking. I haven't done it very much because I've frankly been doing everything I can to get ready for this canopy, and it's been insane. I've been driving for DoorDash and, like, trying to survive. So I don't know, man. I'll do that podcast. I think I'm recording tomorrow morning, the final episode before the canopy goes on, and I do start officially living in my truck, but – um, you know, I, I, if you're on Patreon, I just want to say thank you. Like you guys are, are deeply important to what I do. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful. Russell writes in on Patreon. Russell says this, Hey Zach, 
I'm a football fan, but I've never played. I'm a grade school teacher. I might have to double as a football coach. Do you have any book recommendations to really learn the X's and O's of the sport? Um, not really books, but I, I would recommend you watch and listen to a personal friend of mine, Coach Dan Casey. Dan Casey, find his social media, uh, find his YouTube channel. He's got a podcast called The Coaches Collective. I highly recommend it. I Dan Casey is not only like a great human being, he's a football coach in Texas. Um, he's also a great teacher and, and resource for me learning about the game. And so if you want to learn about football, that's where I would start is with Coach Dan Casey and then go from there. So, Russell, I hope that helps. Coach Dan Casey, man, I bet if you emailed him or sent him a message on on uh, Instagram, he probably would reply to you. I, like he's a he's a really like easy to read dude. He's very personable. Uh, he's the right size of following where like you can still talk to him and he'll he'll see your message. So, um, I it just it wouldn't hurt to send him a message or an email or something because Dan Casey, like that's my favorite dude in coaching. Like as far as making content and also a decent like really good coach. Like he's just a great human being all around and. Highly, highly recommend him. And and Dan, I know you listen sometimes. If you're listening, love you, brother. You're awesome. Uh, Davis writes in, Davis, uh, I combined two of your write-ins and made it one solid question because they were like kind of on the same path. I'm, let's just make it all one. So Davis says, Zach, the NFL is proposing the idea of an international division. Four teams in Europe. Obviously, London would be one of those teams, uh, would be one team what other European cities would you like to see have an NFL team before the NFL goes overseas to Europe? There are some towns in America and Canada. I think that should have an NFL team first. St. Louis, Toronto, Vancouver, and Montreal. If you were gifted an NFL team, where would you place it? P.S. I wouldn't say that you were king of a kingdom since you were in a truck. <laughs> I would say you're more like the general of the SOS Cavalry, which is just as awesome. Much love, Davis. Hope to see you in Indiana soon. Me too. I hope I'm in Indiana I don't know when, but I, I, I dude, I want to have a beer with you and like shake your head. I don't know if people realize this, that the headphones I am wearing on my head came from Davis. Like, the, like <laughs> I, I'm so great. Like he's, I lived in Hawaii and he sent me a package with these Sony headphones in them, which is like crazy and awesome. And I'm, I'm very grateful. Davis, um, so I, where would I put in? A, there's a lot here and I, I combined them. So we'll, we'll dive into all of it. If we had a European NFL division, which I think is a really interesting, fun idea, I think if we're going to make one team, just put four and so they can play each other and it's a little less travel. I think if you do that, I would put two teams in London, actually the same way that New York has two football teams or LA has two teams. I think it can totally sustain it. Uh, there's 8.7 million people in London. You know, behind Moscow and Istanbul, it's the biggest city in Europe. So I would I would put two teams in London uh, I'd put a team in Germany, probably Berlin, because they got the biggest amount of people. You know, Berlin, Munich's also an interesting one, but I'd probably put a football team in uh, Berlin, and I'd put a football team in Spain because Spain and Germany have a lot of passion for football. So, um, and and also like, what you got to realize is people would flock from around Europe to get to these games. They'd come to Spain, they'd come to Berlin, they'd come to London, um, from all over the place. It'd be a lot closer than going to Florida for a game. So. Man, I, I, which does happen a lot, by the way. There's a lot of Jaguars fans that are Jaguars fans simply because a hey, Shad Khan, the owner, has kind of a footing in the UK. But also, um, it's it's cl like you, people go from the UK to Florida because a Florida's warm and they like it when it's raining, and they go to a football game. 
So anyway, uh, I'd put two teams in London. I'd put a team in Germany. I'd put a team in Spain, probably Madrid, Spain, and Berlin, Germany. And um, makes a lot of sense to me. When you say, like, there are teams more deserving in North America, I, I don't know, man. Like, St. Louis, I love St. Louis. Like, I, you know, you ask me if I was going to put one team by myself in North America, where would I put it? I probably would put it in St. Louis, and I'd make a really small, intimate stadium. I'd lean into the hunger and passion there is there and and just, like, lean into, like, hey, I'm, I'm a Midwest St. Louis-based football team. That'd be awesome. Um, but St. Louis or London? You're talking about a team with a hundred, you know, hundreds of thousands of people compared to a team with millions of people and like the center of Europe. So ah, center of Europe's a bit extreme, but like, you know what I mean? Like it's massive. It's, it's London cannot be understated. Like you can't really compare London and St. Louis because the obvious answer so clearly based on the amount of people there is London. Um, you know, Mexico City is an interesting one. I think it's tough, like financially. Mexico City is is a hard one to like. I'd, I've never been to Mexico, so I don't know enough about it. But I, I hear a lot of rough stuff about Mexico. I'm not trying to be rude. I just I don't know. Um, Montreal, Toronto is a great one. Although Toronto has Buffalo, like they a lot of people in Toronto are Bills fans. So if I was gonna put four teams in Europe, I would put two in London, one in Germany, and one in Spain. Probably Berlin, Germany, and Madrid, Spain. Um, if I was gonna make one new NFL team. I just be it probably isn't the wisest business wise because you can make more money other places. Like I've always said, San Antonio is a spot begging for a football team. Um, but me being me, uh, I would love to be like a hands-on owner who's very eclectic and involved and goes to breweries and leans into the fun. And I would want to put a, a, a football team in, in St. Louis and just like have fun with it and say, we're, we're small. It's us against the world and let's dominate everybody. And, um, I think there's potential there too. So, um, cause there is a lot of passion for football. Like that's why the St. Louis Battlehawks were like such a big deal. And that was an XFL football team. So imagine if they had an NFL team come back to St. Louis. Um, nasty, the samurai writes in, which is a great name. Nasty says, Zach, I'm a huge Steelers fan and I've had a harder time than usual watching their games this year. Now, last week was surprising and impressive, but I am by no means convinced the Steelers could turn the ship around and upset many more teams to find themselves in the playoffs. Do you think the Steelers can consistently win games for the majority of the reigning games, and what will it take for them to do so? Uh, no, I don't. Um, here's the, thing. the playoffs are so far away if you're a Pittsburgh fan. It's the back of my mind for Pittsburgh. Um, I'm kind of almost going to ignore your question. Like, what do they need to do? TJ Watt's got to get healthy. Uh, they want to run the ball well. But, like, the key to your season is your young rookie quarterback, Kenny Pickett. And the goal of the entire season is to get Kenny Pickett ready and acclimated to the NFL, learn your system. Do not fire Matt Canada. Like, keep keep things the same you want. Um, carry over to next year so that Kenny Pickett can take what he learns this year and build off it next year so that in the next year or two, Pittsburgh is ready to make a run. Like, I'm hoping they don't trade away uh, Chase Claypool. I think they've got, like, some exciting weapons in Pittsburgh, man. And this young core, George Pickens, uh, Deontay Johnson, you know, uh, Chase, um, why why I'm blank, I just said his name, why did I, Chase Claypool. Like, I I think these guys, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, like, just keep doing what you're doing and keep building it and building the chemistry and 
Kenny Pickett just got to learn the system and master it. That's what the entire year is about, is getting your rookie quarterback ready for next year, basically. So, um, Nasty, that's my answer. Steven writes in and says, Hi, Zach. From what I've heard from the limited sports shows and media I listen to, everyone seems to think that the Bucks losing was more so a failure of Tampa rather than a triumph of Pittsburgh. Frankly, I find it rather insulting that people can't even comprehend the fact that Mike Tomlin, who we've seen time and time again, can elevate a team that frankly shouldn't win a game of this caliber into a team that just beat the GOAT. Like, what the heck? Um, Steven, I, I don't know what the media says. I, I'm I kind of proud of the fact I don't, I, I get accused all the time. Of like you're, you're like, no dude, I don't listen to the media at all. I don't, I really don't. I, I read headlines, but I don't, I don't know what anyone's saying out there. I, I just do my own thing. I, I spend a lot of time with my family. I play, play video games. I, uh, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to like in, invest in be, I, I'm, I used to live in Hawaii far away. I, I'm back. I go to family dinner a lot. I spend time with my family. I don't know what sports shows are saying, but, um, I do know that like in my comments, people are really quick to attack Mike Tomlin and tear him down. And I I just don't get it really because Mike Tomlin is so much better than the majority of coaches out there. And yeah, he's been in Pittsburgh. He's had good ownership. He's had some good players. I'm not discounting. Like I'm not saying that he hasn't, he's been in a good circumstance, but Mike Tomlin is like, one of the cream of the crop coaches in, in the NFL. And it's, it's very weird to me that even Pittsburgh Steelers fan fans are so quick to like forget that or just move on from that. Like I, I love Mike Tomlin, dude. I would kill to get a drink with him. I'd love to play for him. He's an awesome guy is, is the, the coaches who coach under him love working with him. Like he's a, he's a guy I'd want to work with and work for. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why people are so quick to attack Mike Tomlin, but it doesn't make sense to me, really. He's he's a great coach, and um, they're figuring stuff out. But they they had they lost their best player on defense, T.J. Watt, and they got a rookie quarterback. They lost a Hall of Fame staple of their franchise for like twenty years. Big Ben. Be a little bit patient. It's okay. We're a couple of games in. I don't know why everyone's so quick to just attack Mike Tomlin out of nowhere. It's it's bizarre to me. And people say it's not out of nowhere. He said, yeah, he's had ups and downs throughout the year, but I think a lot of the problems he actually had was Big Ben's personality, just refusing to submit and, and work alongside and within the program. So those are my thoughts. Uh, Devin writes in, Devin is a Steelers fan. Let's talk more about Pittsburgh. He says, Devin says, Hey Zach, is it crazy to think that money Mitch Trubisky might find success as a backup in the league coming off of the bench due to Kenny Pickett's concussion? He seemed like he played with nothing to lose and played damn well. By no means do I want him starting for my team, but what does Mitch's performance against Tampa tell you about this future in the league about his future in the league, if anything, um, Mitchell Trubisky is a perfect backup for a couple of reasons. He's played a lot. Trubisky's got a lot of experience. He's been around. I don't think he's going to panic in a big moment or anything like that. Like he, he's been there, done that. And people respect experience when you're playing with a guy. Um, he also like knows how to handle situations because he's been there before. But another massive advantage that people don't talk about Trubisky is that he can run around and extend plays and um, can go off script. So he doesn't need to know your system perfectly. He can come in and be kind of okay, but if he doesn't know what's going on, he can run around and keep a play alive. And that that's a valuable skill to have. Um, Trubisky's limited, man. He struggles against zone coverage, especially over the middle, which is a, a baffling thing of a guy of his um, experience to still be struggling with. 
But Trubisky does enough to win a few games, and um, I think he's kind of found a perfect role in the NFL where he can come off the bench for a lot, a lot of NFL teams would love to have him in that role. And if Trubisky wants to have a long career as a backup, which it's a pretty good life to me, honestly, like you get to be around football, you get to make a lot of money, you get to um, make a name for yourself in other ways. And I, I think Trubisky, if he wants to have a long career, it's not going to go the way he thought. He's not going to be a franchise quarterback, but he can definitely play football for a long, long time and make a lot of money for his family. And I think that's awesome. So, um, that's kind of the, the little niche that niche niche, however you want to say it. That's what Trubisky's found in the NFL. And I'm happy for the guy to be totally honest. I think it's pretty cool. All right. Zach writes in Zach says, Hey Zach. What's up other Zach. Hey Zach. It seems to me that all the big sports media pundits are picking Buffalo to win the Super Bowl, especially after beating my chiefs this weekend think that they are forgetting that in the playoffs each of the last two years, the Kansas City Chiefs ended Buffalo's chances. I do think that Buffalo will win the Super Bowl eventually, but until they do, let's not crown them or discount Kansas City until everything shakes out in the playoffs. Um, Zach, it's neck and neck, man. Like I, Buffalo got better this offseason. Adding Von Miller was a massive deal. Um... But you talk about crowns, like neither team deserves a crown in the NFL right now. Like I think Kansas City and Buffalo are the two best teams in football, but they're going to run into each other again. And I, I don't I don't even know what you're talking about, man. Like I don't, I don't really care about this debate. Like aren't they the two best teams in football? Yeah, they're going to play each other. Like the Super Bowl is going to be one of those two teams. And I don't know why it matters who who gets enough more credit before them. Like, I, I don't know. They're just they are objectively, in my opinion, the two best teams in football. And um, one of them is more than likely going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. All right. uh, Optimistic Cyclones fan says, Hey, Zach, I was pleasantly surprised at the Jets' domination of the Packers on Sunday. I thought it would be much closer. I'm most surprised by the fact that the Jets were able to run the ball so effectively. Brees Hall is a GR, the other Jets running backs. Is it something the other... Is this a reflection of the Packers being undisciplined on defense or the Jets out-executing them despite the lack of talent? Clearly, Robert Sala is a good coach and took advantage of the weakness. This makes me excited for if or when the Jets are actually healthy on the offensive line. Not a Jets fan, but a Brees Hall stand. Thoughts? Um, don't forget to give respect to LaFleur as well, um, the, the offensive coordinator. Ah. Uh, Here's what's interesting, man. The Packers' two first-round picks were linebacker Quay Walker and defensive tackle Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt, not even a starter on the defensive line for Green Bay. So that's a seems like a problem. I, I'm surprised by that. Um, what happened here, man? Like, I, yeah, yeah, like, I, I don't even know how to answer your question. I don't even know exactly what it is because, like, there was a part that didn't make sense. But, um I feel good about the Jets right now, if, if I'm honest. Like, I really, I, I think they're awesome. I think that um, this win mostly, though, in my opinion, had to do with the Jets' defense and the matchup between the Jets' defense and the Packers' receivers' inability to win at all on the perimeter. Um, but I, I feel good. Like, I I do agree. I can't wait to see the Jets with a healthy offensive line. Like, they've, they've invested a lot of pieces into their offensive line, and They've had guys not play this year, and that's that's painful. And um, I, I, yeah, I, I, Brees Hall, stud. I like him. I think he's a great draft pick. 
And uh, I'm excited for the Jets, man. They're in a good spot. They're four and two, and uh, I'm feeling good about their future. Actually, and I, I didn't want to like I, I didn't do season predictions this year, partially because the Jets are one of those teams. Where I'm like, they're not going to go 13 and three, but they're talented enough to do that. And I, I didn't know what to say there. I'm like, I, I don't know where to land on this team. And I'm, I think it makes sense. They lost games early because they didn't have Zach Wilson, but Zach's back, and the Jets are rolling. And I, it's as a, I'm not a Jets fan, but I like Robert Sala. I like Zach Wilson. I've wanted them to succeed for a while. And to see them doing well um, makes me feel really, really good. And I'm, I'm like a, I'm not a Jets fan, but I want good things for Jets fans and that football team. And I, I find myself kind of rooting for him. Ultimate A says, hi, Zach. I'm frustrated with the Jaguars. They started their season two and one with a very promising start, at least relative to the last season. And they even had a chance to pull off pull one over on the 3-0 Eagles in Philadelphia. Since that game, though, they have gone 0-2 with either their offense not clicking the Texans game or their defense making the Colts' offense look great. What's going on in Duval? Did their team's success plateau? Or are they playing about how well they should, considering that their roster and culture is developing? I'd love to hear your insight and give the Jaguars a checkup. Thanks for the content, as always. Ultimate A. Let's do a checkup on the Jaguars. Ultimate A, I think it's kind of simple, man. Like, I think you got to be patient. It's a young team with growing pains. And um, it's pretty wild. Like, last week, Trevor Lawrence had two incomplete passes, and they lost the game. And, it, like, it just, it just happens sometimes. Like, the, the Colts got you. Your young defense is struggling. But I wouldn't panic if I was a Jaguars fan. I understand disappointment. Like, that sucks. He started really hot, and it has kind of plateaued. But it's just more a symbol of, like, hey, they're struggling, and they're— they're in in progress, and I think you just have to give it patience because where they're at right now is probably where they should have been at the beginning of last year, and they kind of took a year off in development because of how bad Urban Meyer was. And um, I think time has passed, but development didn't happen much at all last year. And so uh, I think the Jaguars fan base lost a year, and their their patience might wear thin, but you got to be patient because. Um, Urban Meyer really, really set you back in a lot of ways as a franchise. Final question today. It's a kind of a fun one from Logie. Logie writes in and says, people always talk about the wider hash marks in college football, but why does that matter? From the point of view from a quarterback, what difference does it make? Um, so being on the hash mark in college football in some ways is more valuable because you're farther to one side of the field, meaning that, so they call it the field and the boundary. The field is the wide side of the field. So if you're on the right hash, the wide side of the field is the left side, and the boundary is the short side of the field, the right side. A throw to the boundary is a really short throw. So if you're throwing like a five-yard hitch, it's like easy and nothing. A throw to the boundary is, is far, and like a, a deep comeback to the field is like a long, long throw. Um, the NFL is much more balanced. You're kind of just almost in the middle. It's almost silly and trivial to have a right and left hash because of how little the difference is compared to what is in college. The right or left hash really matters in college. In the NFL, it's a little, it matters some, but a lot less. Um, and I, I actually like the contrast in college football because it really adds an extra element to the game of like, hey, there's a really wide side and a really short side of the field. And for play design, for all kinds of stuff, it's more exciting. Um, and it's something that it's such a nerdy technical thing. It doesn't get talked about very much, but I think it leads to more exciting stuff in general in college football because of what you can do and having literally way more field to work with on one side than the other. So um, 
I, I don't know what I don't know what else to say, Logie, but like that's the difference. It's, it's it's wider, and it allows like if you if you have a four receivers on one side and one receiver on the other, in college that's like a massive deal because you've got a one on one to the boundary, a short easy throw, or four receivers with a bunch of space. Where in the NFL, it's just much more balanced and it's uh, less drastic. And I think the drastic contrast in college just creates more. Um, variables and more more like wildness and I, I really like the chaos of it and so um logie that's my answer guys uh let me i want to double check because i haven't looked at the news really all day i want to make sure there's nothing that has broke or gone crazy i would imagine not um but let's double check so um nope dak prescott's gonna play that's great uh, okay, good. I, my fear was like another trade had happened. We're not really close enough to the trade deadline for a bunch of other trades, but the big one is Chris McCaffrey and, uh, that's all we're going to get so far. So, uh, guys, I love you. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for tuning in. We survived the rain. We did the best we could. And I think it actually, oh, it's still lightly raining. Anyway, I love you so much. I appreciate you. Have a great day. And, uh, bam, 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 we are